Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ask Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and a hey, day one was amazing. Shout out to day one of playoff basketball. Shout out to playoff basketball, period. Man, we getting you this episode right before this Hawks Heat game. Had to go record it real quick before, you know, before we get into day two. But day one was wonderful. We had game one of the day, the Jazz and the Mavericks. Rudy Gobert was dominant. He only took one shot, one shot the entire game, but still dominated. He hit five or six free throws, 17 boards, three blocks. The Mavericks wanted nothing to do with the paint. That His interior defense looked amazing. Uh, I know a lot of people, Jazz fans, were being like, oh, well, no other defensive player of the year can affect the game in that way. And they have a point. They do have a point in that regard that no other candidate can affect the game like that without scoring and just dominate and be the best player on the court, clearly, strictly from the defensive side of the ball. You're not going to ever see Marcus Smart have a game like that to where you're like, even with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown on the court, you're like, oh, Smart was the best player on the court because of defensively. He's not going to be able to hold down the per, I mean, paint because he's guarding some. He's guarding the opponent te- opposing team's best player. So he's guarding one player where Rudy Gobert is defending the entire paint. Jared Jackson Jr., same thing. He can block and deter a lot of shots. However, he is easily foul baited. He's easily fallen into foul trouble, and that's something he's always struggled with. So because of that, it's kind of hard for him to dominate throughout the whole time. Mikael Bridges has the same thing as Smart, to where he's going to be on the perimeter. So I'm like, I understand why people are like, well, Rudy Gobert should be defensive player of the year. But, that. but again, I say, I don't believe you can be a defensive player of the year with a middle-of-the-pack defense. I know that the argument is if they, he wasn't on there, they'd be a bottom, like, 10, bottom five defense in the league. That doesn't matter. We all know these um, these awards are narrative-based, and the narrative, for them to be consistent, they can't give it to a middle-pack defense. The Jazz are like a 12-13 defense, so they're in the middle of the pack. The These other teams are top five in the defense and everything, top 10 and for you to not even have a top 10 defense in the league, so you're not even in the upper third of the league in defense, but you get defensive player of the year, that's kind of like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it kind of throws it off. It's like you don't deserve that. Um, for, like, as good as you are, you can't deserve this award because your, your team's not good enough. As much as it is an individual award, it's a team award as well. Kind of like the MVP. It'd be hard to get the MVP, but you're – a middle pack, you know, you're a bottom team in the league. Like, you don't even make the playoffs, but you have an amazing, great, all-time great year, but you don't make the playoffs. And people are like, well, he can't make up for his team success. He did everything he could. And it's like, yeah, he did everything he could, but unfortunately, it's also a team award as well. And that's just how these things go. But the Jazz should be worried um, because obviously Donovan Mitchell's not going to have a bad game like this. Donovan Mitchell still dropped 30, but he did it on 29 shots, 34% from the field, shot putridly. Donovan Mitchell struggled. He had two points in the first half. The third quarter, he kind of turned up a little bit. Fourth quarter was solid, too. But the third quarter is where, really where he did most of his damage and show why he is um, an all-time great playoff scorer in the NBA. They, they continuously brought up those statistics when they were showing – all his average, his career average compared to all these all-time greats. And Donovan Mitchell has been known as an all-time great playoff scorer. 
nothing else really past being an all-time scorer. He still struggles in everything else in regards, but as a scorer, he did his job. Bogdanovich uh, made up for Donovan Mitchell's struggles early. Bogdanovich, he a shooter, but that man said, oh, y'all putting babies on me? Bump this shooting thing. Catch me on a low block. I'm drop-stepping you like I'm Shaq, and I'm just going up every time. And that's what he was doing, and he was cooking them. They, they, they had no answer for a Bogdanovich drop-step, which is pretty crazy. Um, Outside of that, the Jazz didn't really get any much offensively from anybody else. Mike Conley, he put up 13, a little solid, but he didn't shoot enough to really – he wasn't really aggressive enough to make up for anybody else. Outside of, like, Mike Conley, nobody else – you had Donovan Mitchell had 29 shots, Bogdanovich had 20 shots, and then Conley had 12, and then nobody else had double-digit shots. Like I told you, Rudy Gobert only had one shot this entire game. Offensively, the Jazz didn't look good, but they looked great defensively. So the, they should be worried, but again, at the same time, they shouldn't because who knows how Donovan Mitchell bounces back for game two. The Mavs should not be worried because in a game without Luka Doncic, they looked really good. They for a, a good portion of the game, they were up, they were dominant, and they looked really good. Spencer Dinwiddie did his job in that regard. Yes, his efficiency doesn't say he did the best, but he looked good out there. Jalen Brunson looked really good out there. Um, Reggie Bullock put, came in with a couple points. Dwight Powell actually looked really, really solid um, defensively in the paint, and he 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 looked good deterring shots. He looked good. It, just from the little snippets I saw, like he he looked he looked he looked really good in that regard. Um, they didn't really get much uh, from Davis Bertans. You expect him to sh in 17 minutes catch and shoot, and you expect more from him. But without Luca, they still only lost by six. If the rest of these role players step up like this, you still get 22 from Spencer Dinwiddie. Jalen Brunson has obviously been phenomenal this year. You get 24 from Jalen Brunson, and then you have Luca on the court. The the Mavs will easily win this series in four to five, but Luca been missing game one, and it doesn't look favorable for him to be in game two. And then, so that means the Jazz would have stole two games possibly, and then have home court, then go back to their home court for the next two. Um, if Luca doesn't play in game two, uh, it look it, it could be spooky for the Mavs, and especially since he's been coming back from injury. So who knows how well he's going to be there? And then the Jazz just come out and. Take off it's, it's it's tough because the Jazz don't deserve to go to the second round, but in every playoff series, luck is a part of it. A lot as much as people don't want to admit it, luck is a part of the game. So yes, you have these teams play phenomenal. Yes, they prepare correct, but luck is always a part of it. Injuries happens to all types of teams. There's no playoff run in NBA history where there's not even a smidgen of luck to where it's like because you're always lucky because you're like some this player fell down this way in Torres ACL. This player, your player, fell down the exact same way, and they didn't tear anything. They just got lucky. Like, it's it's, it's just it's just lucky and unlucky. It's just a part of it. But moving on to the next game, um, this game, I told y'all this was going to be a slept-on series. I just told y'all yesterday this was going to be a slept-on series. This is going to be my one of my favorite series of the entire um, first round, the Timberwolves and Grizzlies. Shout out Ant Man! Shout out Ant Man! I told y'all if Cat can hoop, and if Cat steps up and he don't lay a goose egg, I can see Minnesota in six. 
we're going to see how it goes. Uh, Cat came out. He hooped. He did his thing. He had 29 and 13. But that man, Anthony Edwards, came out, and he balled out in his debut. He balled out 36 and 6, highly efficient. He, was, he, he, he looked really good out there. He looked real comfortable. He looked really good. And it's just the thing about Anthony Edwards, sometimes you just question his motor because sometimes he goes out there and he be playing nonchalant and just be chilling and taking a backseat and let other people cook. But then you have other moments where he just turns up and he just cooks and goes crazy. And that's just basically how he be doing. Ant, Ant can be a scorer, and he's a, he's a really, really, really good scorer. Uh, I know a lot of people are still saying um, another player we're about to talk about next it might be the best player in the draft, but Ant was the number one pick for a reason. Ant is the best player from this draft. All around, he is the best player from this draft. These other players, they're, they're solid as well, but Ant is the best player from this draft. I don't want to hear about LaMelo and all of them anymore. LaMelo is a hooper himself, though. But as of right now, Ant was the, the deservingly of the number one pick. D'Angelo Russell, he struggled big time. He struggled, he struggled. He shot 2 of 11. But he hit, um, you know, ice in my veins. He hit a clutch shot in the end like he always do. Pat Bev, every single game I watch of Pat Bev, I become more and more of a fan. I love Pat Bev. He had 10, 6, and 6. He hit a big shot at the end, too. Pat Bev's shots are always like daggers, and they're always like, golly. We just let Pat Bev pump fakers, go drive in, hit a nice little jumper, and it's just, and then his energy he brings, he he does, he just does everything. He he does everything. He looked really good. Um, Malik Beasley, he did his job. He was a, he's there to be a 20-point-per-game scorer off the bench now because Ant came in, and he's doing his job. He, he came in there off the bench. He put up 23. He he shot really efficiently, efficiently, hit four threes. He did what he was supposed to do. But shout out Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels was always in the right spot at the right time, whether it be a um, in the shot clock tipping, whether it be in the shot clock uh, just bail out. They bail out pass. He catch and shoot, clutch rebound, clutch defense. Jaden McDaniels was the – ideal role player here this game he had 15 and 7 put up three blocks shot five or six from the field two or three from the three-point line he did everything he was the perfect glue guy in the perfect rotational piece this game he just looked phenomenal um on the other end you had jago put up 30 jaw had a nice poster just like cat had a nasty poster too both so uh J- cash poster was obviously nastier but jaw had a he came back and re- re- retaliated against um what's called D'Angelo Russell and got a nice little body to body dunk there. Uh Desmond Bain looked uh he looked okay. Um the numbers the numbers make it look worse than what it was. He didn't look too bad on the court. Um but Jaw looked amazing. Dylan Brooks looked good. Uh defensively you saw he was trying to be annoying. There were some moments where he got under Anthony Edwards skin, but Anthony Edwards, you know, great offense always beats great defense. Uh Jared Jackson Jr. He struggled heavily, 4-13 from the field, 0-5-3, got in foul trouble really, really, really early. He was a minus 16. He was in foul trouble basically the entire game. He looked awful. Jared Jackson Jr. just straight up looked putrid. Um, I was talking about maybe Steven Adams and Jared Jackson Jr. could give Cat a hard time. Steven Adams was basically non-existent on Cat. Cat was big boy in him. Um, Jared Jackson Jr. was in foul trouble, wasn't looking good. The best big of the night was, honestly, Brandon Clark. Brandon Clark did his job out there. He had 13 and 12. He was the leading rebounder. 
for uh, the Grizzlies. Actually, he, he was on, he was the second leading rebounder in the game outside of Cat, and he he put up six for seven shooting. He did everything he was supposed to. He looked good switching. He looked good protecting the paint, just deterring shots. He he was their best big of the night. We can't have um we can't have another game like this with Jared Jackson Jr. If Jared Jackson Jr. stays in the slump or Jared Jackson Jr. doesn't bounce back strong then it's not going to be looking good for uh, Memphis. Uh, I can see, like I said, this game, I would like it to go seven, but I can see Minnesota in six. I can see Minnesota in six. But I see Ja bouncing back with a nice game next game. Jared Jackson Jr. should should bounce back defensively as well. And we're just going to have to see from there. But then we're going to take a short break, and then we're going to jump into these last two games. talk about the last two games of the night first and foremost let's jump into the 76ers dominating the Raptors and after seeing this game we might mess around and see Philadelphia in four Philadelphia in five it, it was just that ugly let's start off with let's start off let's go ahead and start off with the Raptors so that we can end on a good note with the 76ers Yakum Yakum looked good but Yakum got killed they like offensively he looked good. He put up 24, 3, and 7. He had three blocks. He looked he looked he looked pretty solid. However, we can't y'all gotta go away from the small ball lineup against Embiid. They had Siakam starting at the four and Scotty Barnes starting at the five. And Siakam and Scotty were guarding Embiid for a good portion of the game. Embiid had his way with them. Embiid Yes, the box score says Embiid didn't shoot well, but Embiid had them in what's called he 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 had them jumping, he had them just in the way, out of the way. Uh, he had he he had a lot of their players in foul trouble. You had Chris Boucher foul out, you had Fred Van Fleet foul out, Pascal Siakam had four fouls. Embiid was Embiid was having his way in there. Yes, he wasn't hitting the shots uh, necessarily. But he was a willing passer and kicking it out and everything. And on a night where Embiid struggled shooting-wise and y'all couldn't take advantage of, it doesn't look too good um, because he's not going to keep struggling like this. He's not going to shoot 5 for 15 again. Uh, he's he's, he's going he's gonna to bounce back. Rebounding-wise, too, he just dominated on the boards. There was nobody that could really match up with him on the boards because, again, you have this 7-footer giant and you have Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam switching back and forth guarding him. Not a good recipe for success. 
I know they don't have like the bigs to go to throw at him, and but they got to figure something out because that's just not gonna work. Um, Fred Van Fleet, he looks good offensively, but again defensively, foul trouble. James Harden driving, Tyrese Maxey was just frying whoever was guarding him. Um, Fred Van Fleet kept reaching, getting those little cheeky fouls. Um, just trying to play deep and play solid physical defense, but the calls weren't going his way. He got in foul trouble and got knocked out early too. And with Fred Van Fleet being their number one scorer and him being in foul trouble and then Siakam wearing himself out on both ends, it's kind of it's kind of tough. OG Ananobi had OG Ananobi had a, a solid game. Scotty Barnes looked really good as well. 15, 10, and 8 in his first uh, playoff game as a rookie. Uh, unfortunate, like he went down. I know a lot of Raptors fans were upset saying Embiid's a dirty player and Embiid needs to be should have got ejected because he injured, he kept injuring a bunch of players, but they're just accidents. And the Raptors fans admitted that they were accidents. They're like, even though they're accidents, they're like, you should still get ejected because you're hurting players. Even if it's accidents, like in other sports, you get ejected, even if it's an accident and you like cause harm to another player. And I'm like, they're just bad. T- there was like a bad, a bunch of bad moments, especially the Scotty one. And B was driving to the paint. He spun back and he just stepped on Scotty's foot. Like Scotty was trying to come over there and help. And it just, it was just wrong place, wrong time. He stepped on him. He stepped on his ankle. He twisted his ankle. It looked bad. It was. It looked bad. We're gonna see. They said the MRI was, um, what's it called? They did. They know they did the test. Uh, the X-ray was negative, but then they're doing an MRI today. We're gonna see how that goes. Gary Trent Jr. shot very poorly. If they if they're gonna need if they're gonna win the series or at least compete in the series, they're gonna need Gary Trent to play better. They brought Precious in just for another body. Precious got ate up. Chris Boucher was just getting destroyed. I told you he got foul. He got in foul trouble. It just looked it just looked really really bad for the Raptors. Basically, they never looked like they were gonna win this game. They basically everybody on their team was negative. You had Gary Trent Jr. negative twenty three. Fred Van Fleet and Siakam, negative 19. OG, negative 11. Scotty, negative 10. Precious, Chris Boucher, negative 8. The only person that was, uh, what's called, plus, like, positive and not negative only played five minutes. So that should let you know how this game went. Um, On the other end, you had Harden. He struggled shooting-wise. That's what I'm saying. Like, Harden and Embiid struggled offensively, and y'all got destroyed by 20. That's not saying good. That doesn't look good at all. Harden, Harden is looking. He, he is showcasing why he's a great passer. He's always been a phenomenal passer, but his scoring always just made like overdid his passing. Even when he was in Houston, he was dropping like thirty five a game and everything, thirty six a game, just cooking. If you look, he's still averaging eight, nine, almost ten assists a game. He was dropping just like everybody else. He was dropping his. A triple double was that year Russell Westbrook won the MVP and people were saying Harden should have got it because Harden also put up almost a 30 point triple double he was just short on rebounds but Harden led the league in assists Harden's a phenomenal passer he showcased that at Brooklyn that's what he wanted to do he wanted to take a step back he wanted to play point guard and facilitate and he didn't want to be have to be the scorer and burn himself out so much he wanted like I can score if I need be but I want to be a facilitator at this point in my career so he had 14 assists. He only had one turnover. He looked amazing passing-wise. Like I said, shooting-wise, he did struggle. But passing-wise, he he was phenomenal. Uh, we already talked about him beat. Tobias Harris put up 26. He looked really, really good. If you got this, if you got the, the, play, the other players stepped up. People forget. Like, I know 
it's fun to make fun of Tobias Harris and his contract right now. But Tobias Harris was a legit 20 points per game scorer, borderline fringe all-star at one point. And to have him as your fourth option and he can go drop you 30, 40 as well and get hot, that's kind of scary for this uh, Philadelphia team because, like I said, he came out on a night that Embiid and Harden didn't play well that great offensively scoring-wise, and he dropped 26. Um, you had Danny Green out there. He he shot awful. He shot awful. You wouldn't even know he was on there offensively, but he played solid defense. Uh, Matisse Thybul did his thing defensively. Shake Milton did his thing. Um, what's it called? But, and then you saw Reed out there giving you some good minutes here and there. Uh, the thing though, the, the star of the night though, was Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey dropped 38 on 14 and 21 shooting five from eight from three. This man, this, this, this man looked scary good. This man looked crazy good. That third quarter run where he was like, bucket. It was like, after he got that reverse, that Harden gave him a nice, uh, needle threading pass, reverse layup. And then he went down, got an and one, then got another bucket. And then they he shot a three from damn near like 35, 40 feet and just nothing but net that. And it was, he still had like nine, 10 seconds on the shot clock. He didn't even have to shoot it. And he shot it as a heat check and it was just water. That man was going crazy. He was just having his way with the um, Toronto defense, getting into the paint, slashing, hitting shots. And the thing, the best part about it, he wasn't forcing it. It wasn't like he was like, dang, this is my night. I'm going to shoot everything. No, nah, there were so many times where he could have shot and he could, and people wanted him to keep shooting because people wanted to see how many points he could get. And he would dump off and still make the right pass. He was still making the correct pass, like not forcing the issue. And when you have a score like that, that's scary. That's scary. This Philadelphia team, after watching this game one and seeing how they did, while, again, let me emphasize that James Harden and Embiid didn't play that well offensively, to have a player like this just step up and then have your two leading scores be Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris, and Maxey going against this Toronto defense, which is supposed to be phenomenal because they're supposed to have great switchability, they're supposed to have a lot of length and just a bunch of size and length with people like Siakam, Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Gary Trent, uh, Precious, all these, like, lengthy guys that are supposed to be really good defenders and he was just having his way man man toronto toronto is spooky season for y'all it's spooky season for y'all um we might we might see philadelphia in five we might mess around and see philadelphia with a sweep i think toronto can get squeeze one game out just having a big toronto night with fred van fleet and siakam going crazy but with scotty depending on how scotty barnes comes back that could de uh, determine a lot too but i think that Toronto can get one game, and I can. That's basically it, and just take them to five. Philly's gonna get lots of rest. Last game of the night, um, Warriors Nuggets. Honestly, I really don't even feel like talking about this one. Nobody, nobody gave the Nuggets a chance. The Warriors are gonna sweep this series. The Nuggets look good. This is not even gonna be a competitive series. They might get one. Actually, I don't say sweep. I say going five. Because I can't take away the MVP. Like, the MVP should be able to get you one game. Jokic should have one dominant game where he has, like, 40, 20, and, like, 8, and he can get you one game. But that's 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 a pipe dream in itself. We're not going to spend too much time on this. Uh, Will Barton looked good. He put up 24. But outside of that, nobody else looked good on this team. Like, Jokic has no help offensively. Jokic put up 25, 10, and 6, and Jokic looked gassed. 
he was gassed. The Warriors were beating him up. Whether they they were sending like uh Gary Payton the second, like Archie told y'all, he said, and like a lot of people were like with the bigs. As much as it seems, as wild as it sounds, throw Gary Payton out there on them too. Gary Payton, um, what's called Billy to. They were like all just, they were just throwing bodies at Jokic, and Jokic was just getting worn down. He was getting worn down and just beat up. And there were so many shots where you just looked at Jokic. He was like leaning back in his chair, sweat just like like coming down like crazy. He, that man looks tired. He looked gassed completely. And just for the, for the Warriors just to beat up Jokic that bad. And then offensively, you didn't have to worry too much about it because Curry was coming back off an injury, so he came off the bench. He played okay. He had 16. He didn't have to play that much. Um, you had Clay hit five threes. He had 19. You had Wiggins play solid. You just had you you just had an okay game from all their stars. And then just to have Jordan Poole come out and just be like, I am here. I have arrived. Oh my! All these young guys today. This was a wonderful day for playoff basketball because we saw so much youth just go out there and ball. Like I said, yeah, Jordan Poole dropped thirty. Jordan Poole was nine for thirteen, five for seven three, and he was just doing whatever he wanted offensively. He was just dominating, and just to see that, like, damn, we have Steph to chase around, we have Clay to chase around, and now we have Jordan Poole to chase around as well. It's spooky season. It's spooky season for them too. Uh, after we got to see how tonight goes, but after after today, man, prisoner of a moment. Call me a prisoner of a moment because I am a prisoner of a moment. Warriors, Philly in the finals. They look spooky. Man, it, it, it was that crazy. But we're gonna see how I feel tomorrow morning after watching tonight's games because hell, after today, depending on how that net Celtics game go, that Bucks Bulls game. Or the Pelicans, Suns, I might be saying something else. I'm not really saying, I'm not going to say the Hawks or the Heat because I don't really give either one of those a chance. But those other teams, I, 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 I think there's a championship contender on all those other teams I mentioned before that we might, might and I might be a prisoner moment and be like, hey, now it's this and this. Now it's Bucks and Suns again, repeat. I might be like, oh, it's Celtics, this person. It's um next this person this team and who knows but anyways guys this was another episode of ask geeks podcast always 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 remember to respect women most importantly remember to respect yourself and we are